Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. So I'm joined now by the Labour Party Deputy and former Minister for Public Expenditure Reform, Brendan Howland. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Alan, and good morning to your listeners. Brendan, just before four o'clock today, Pascal Donoghue is due to rise to his feet in the Dáil to try to draw the line under what has been described as a political controversy, Postergate, and potentially, could it be a key juncture for his career? What's your reading of the situation? Because there's more news breaking as we speak. What's your understanding of it, Brendan? Like all these political controversies, um, if you're involved in them, the thing is to put all the facts in the public domain immediately. Uh, unfortunately for Pascal, and I know Pascal, I worked with him in government. This is his third attempt, his public statement and interview uh, last Sunday week, and then his statement to the Dáil on Thursday, and now, um, or last week rather, and then uh, a third attempt today to put out all the facts. And <clears throat> most of us looking at it would have thought, mm, maybe he has done enough last Thursday um, because the, the issues are not ones that the public immediately understand the paying for posters, corporate donations. So I'll just say two things briefly. Why are those laws in place? Those laws are in place, and I was a part of the government that put them in place, to break the link between business and politics so that corporate donations weren't the driving force of politics. Uh, and that's why corporate donations uh, above a threshold are banned and below that threshold are declarable. And that goes also for election expenses. Now, I'm afraid the water has been considerably muddied this morning with a statement by the donor to Pascal Donoghue, Dr. Michael Stone, again, a very respectable businessman. Um, I've spoken to people in his constituency, um, the GA in particular, I know him to be, from their um, evidence, uh, a very committed, uh, honourable person. Hmm. That's beside the point. The problem is that he now has issued a statement today saying that despite the fact that Pascoe has been silent about his 2020 election expenses up to today, yeah. um, and in fact said nothing about, uh, about it and said he had nothing to add to the statement in relation to the donations he got in 2016. Mm. Michael Stone has, again, uh, has today made an announcement that he did in fact provide assistance by way of six people over five days uh, plus vans to do Pascal's postering in 2020 as well. Uh, and he has resigned today from both the Land Development Agency and the Northeast Inner City Implementation Board, uh, where he um, was a very active and I, I think a very popular member. Um, but he understands that uh, he has to take responsibility. And I think in a way, the issue is now, uh, is he standing out to take the hit rather than Pascal? Hmm. And is it credible that Pascal didn't know about any of these things um, when he spoke to the doll last week? Hmm. Uh, again, Mr. Stone has said that Pascal asked him uh, did he give him assistance in 2020? He asked him that last December, and he asked him again earlier this month. And Michael Stone has said in his statement today that he told Pascal, no, he didn't provide any post right. And it was only after the question was put last week in the door, hmm. um, what about 2020, that uh, Michael Stone apparently re- remembered it and contacted Pascal to amend 
his position. So these new revelations that are due to emerge at four o'clock are this this follow up. What, what do you anticipate he's going to say there? Or is it already out in the uh, public domain now on the basis of what you and I have just spoken about? Yeah, I think um, the idea is, obviously, it was decided that um, uh, Michael Stone decided to preempt uh, any statement in the doll and take the hit himself. Uh, so he has resigned, as I say, from the two agencies that he's a member of uh, and uh, has fessed up that, in fact, he had been a benefactor yeah. uh, in terms of postering to, to Pasco in his 2020 campaign as well, although no mention up to today of that support has been made by Pasco. And obviously there are going to be a number of questions put to Pasco. Is it credible, particularly when Michael Stone's contributions in 2016 were being questioned, hmm. that he was totally ignorant that a similar donation was made to him in 2020 uh, and that it, it, it only came to light in the last uh, couple of days. That's very, very hard for anybody to, to believe. Okay, uh, uh, just before I move away from this and move on to the other mm. main talking point with you this morning, which is CAMS, uh, I've read so many reports on this over the last number of days to get, try and get a handle on it. The question which has perplexed many TDs, according to one of the reports I have here in front of me, is why Mr. Donoghue did not react when the issue was first brought to him in 2017 and again last November. Could you shed any light on that, Brendan? I mean, what's your own understanding of why he didn't react when it was brought to him in 2017 and again last November? I genuinely don't know. Uh, I mean, if you're challenged on something you don't know, you make it your business to find out. Uh, and you, if there's a statement to be amended, if there's a declaration to be changed, you make that change and you fess up to it. Um, the problem for Pascal is, as I say, this is his third attempt to get all the facts out, uh, and you can't keep changing the narrative. Um, it's a difficult, difficult position for him right. to be in uh, today. And a, a position that when I woke up this morning, I didn't expect him to be in. Uh, I didn't expect uh, this new set of facts to be put in the public domain uh, by Michael Stone. Okay, what's your gut feeling on this situation? You're a long time in the body politic. Mm. Do you think it can survive this? I mean, what's, what's likely to unfold? What's your, your feeling on this? Because, I mean, I met him only recently in Wexford in White's Hotel. Yeah. Um, he had no uh, PR people around him. You could ask him whatever you liked. He came across to me to be a very competent person and someone who many people believe could well be a potential future leader of Fine Gael. What do you think is likely to happen when he stands up after at four o'clock or after he finishes speaking at four o'clock today? Well, the doll, as you know, is a theatre itself, and it has its own dynamic. Uh, so the tone he, he adopts, uh, I think this is his final, final chance to get everything out there and to put it in a way that is credible. Um, some of the things I say will stretch credibility, the notion that he knew nothing about it, despite the fact that these questions have been asked for some considerable time, as you've said. But we'll see how he, he progresses and how he answers those questions. Uh, but... Certainly, um, I think his situation is much more precarious this morning than I believed it to be yesterday. Speaking of precarious situations, the CAMS report is damning as the interim report. You've had a chance to analyse this, and I'd mm. like to get your view on the thing that really kind of jumps out at me is the, the situation with the lost children, the children who got some form mm. of, of treatment and then were forgotten about for, for nearly two years. Have you had a chance to look at this interim report? I, I, I can only yeah. imagine what the full report is going to be like, and if so, what do you make of it? Well, the problem is that 
we have all been aware of the deficiencies in CAMs for a very long time, particularly those of us in Wexford. Uh, when you know some time ago, uh, the consultant psychiatrist leading it left, and we had very great difficulty in recruiting a replacement. And all of us who are public representatives in Wexford are dealing with families in the deepest of distress. So the first thing I want to say is this. I heartily welcome uh, this Commission on Mental Health's interim report because I think what has been highlighted here in detailed, clear way um, is a crisis that is every bit as important, every bit as urgent as the crisis in our hospitals that takes so much focus, rightly so. You know, the crisis in A&E is absolutely shocking and we need to fix it. But the crisis in child and adolescent mental health services in this country is equally as important and one that must be uh, fixed. I'm dealing with families, as I say, and obviously I can't go into detail, but I have an an array of correspondence with the HSE in front of me as I'm speaking to. And I know the cry of desperation from families who can't get the proper treatment um, for their children. Uh, and a root and branch restructuring of CAMS is now required. And the proper um, allocation of staffing and management uh, is required. Because at every level, if you look through the, the executive summary of the report, they list very major failings at virtually every level of service delivery. Uh, despite the fact that the staff involved are stretched to, to, to uh, breaking point. And that's part of the problem because so many staff are under such stress that they actually are walking away. Well, Brendan, now, I can, Brendan I, let, I, let's... I can, sorry, Brendan, let's... Yeah, sorry for cutting sure. across you there. Let, let's oh. look at some of the some of the key points in, in what mm. I have here in front of me. The scathing report found evidence some CAMS teams were not monitoring antipsychotic medication in accordance with yeah. international standards. Some families said their child was discharged to no service because they did not want the child to have ADHD medication. Others felt their child was discharged before they were ready so they could be taken off the waiting list. I mean, this in... in Modern Ireland 2023 is absolutely atrocious. It's atrocious. And uh, unfortunately, it's happening right now. Uh, And uh, families and children themselves who will tell you that what has been prescribed to them is not appropriate. It's having a negative effect. And there is no way of breaking out of that without being simply excluding yourself from any service. And that's what's happening again and again and again. So I hope from this review that the degree of urgency won't be simply a discussion uh, in the doll uh, for this week and then things move on. I hope that there will be a fundamental change in the way services are delivered. And part of that will be the recruitment of staff because repeatedly in my parliamentary questions, uh, the answer is that we can't get the staff. We have the money, mm. we're advertising, we're advertising internationally, we can't get the staff. Uh, I was looking at answers to my parliamentary questions, a series of them. Um, when, the va- when will the vacant occupational therapist post, the speech and language post uh, allocated to the four children's disability network teams in County Wexford be filled? And you have a long list um, of all the actions that the HSC are taking to fill those, and, uh, and there's still those vacancies. Uh, ironically, in one of the uh, replies um, I got from the head of mental services uh, in Southeast uh, community healthcare was that the, our area, the CHO5 CAMS area, has the lowest waiting times uh, of the nine CHO, and this is waiting times which to see 
child and adolescent psychology and occupational therapy, um, which, you know, individual families have brought to my attention who are desperately needed for their own children. Uh, so there's a, a variety of issues to be addressed. Uh, you know, a root and branch um, change needs needs to come about <clears throat> because, number one, it's a, a postal lottery, depending on which community health organization area that you actually live in, what services you have access to. Um, there are clear waiting lists across the country in terms of uh, professionals to work in the system. And it's a, a double-edged sword. The more dysfunctional the system is, the more people are going to lose because professionals are not going to be able to tolerate it. Right. And the more unlikely it is that you can recruit people. So we need to have a very clear statement of how all the issues listed very systematically in this interim report are going to be addressed. Right. Who do you think ultimately is to blame, or is there any point in putting the def- pointing the finger at the Minister of Health or Mental Health for that matter? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think we've gone beyond the point of blame. Um, there will be an accountability required, but I mean, what we need now is a plan to fix it because the families I'm dealing with, and every other public representative in Wexford is dealing with. They want solutions now, because if their children miss the, the critical years that are now passing, then catch-up will never happen. The damage will be permanent. And that's why we, we need to have a complete focus on what exactly is to be done. Now, I listened to the Minister for Health this morning uh, on national radio, and he was talking about the completion. This is an interim report, the completion of the full report. Other analysis, the analysis that's happening in terms of prescription, the analysis that's happening in those that are disappeared, as you say, the 140 out of the system. Now, they're all important, but we can't have endless reports. We must have action and a clear plan of action. Uh, Whatever is needed to be done uh, to recruit the professionals and listen to the professionals themselves and what is needed uh, to ensure that uh, we never have an analysis of our child and adolescent mental health services that uh, brings up all the negativeness and all the failures that are unfortunately laid out in this interim report. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.